0: Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. We are a little over a week away from Election Day, and already more than 200,000 Oklahomans have voted by mail. Listeners, as a reminder, The deadline to request your absentee ballot is October 27th. And if you intend to mail yours in, you need to do so as soon as possible. The election board must receive it before the election because they count it that day. And uh, if you have any questions on how to do this, go to our YouTube channel. We've got a video about it. Um, You just look up Let's Fix This OK on the YouTubes. Please subscribe. Um, Once we hit 100 subscribers, we can change it to be like youtube.com slash let's fix this, which would be really rad. So we're about halfway there. Uh, If you are planning to or prefer to vote in person, early voting will be next Thursday, Friday, Saturday at your county election board. Depending on what county you're in, just contact them for all the pertinent exact details for that process. I'm also excited to announce that for election night, Here at Let's Fix This, we're gonna be doing a couple of things differently this year. We're gonna have a live blog on our website beginning at 6 p.m. and running probably until Scott and I pass out um, at whatever hour of the morning that is. Um, uh, Bailey will be there as well. And we'll have some other special guests um, participating in that just to kind of give their perspective. Uh, We tested it last night and we're super jazzed. If you're a live blog fan, or you just like to read your news rather than watch it. You can still watch whatever's happening on TV and you can laugh along with us as we uh, break down, discuss and probably editorialize somewhat um, what's happening specifically with Oklahoma politics. Uh, During that, so that starts at six and goes until whenever. And then from seven to eight ish, we're also gonna do a special live episode of Let's Pod This, um, a live stream video episode, which I think means that there's a chance that you could watch us live blog, right? There's there's a chance it would be typing at the same time uh, that we are doing video, but we're gonna do a special video segment with some special guests um, during that. So more details on that next week, uh, because we wanna make you wait till you are right down before the wire there. Okay, Um, without further ado, let's get into this week. We're gonna take a break from election politics, more or less, and talk about what's been happening in the background in Oklahoma County. We've alluded to this, I guess, in the last two episodes, Um, but I spent several hours today making a timeline of what's happened uh, regarding to CARES dollars and uh, ICE, the immigration, and a bunch of other shenanigans, I guess, is a good word for it. Bailey's nodding. Um, And so joining us in this conversation is Oklahoma County Commissioner, District 1, Carrie Bloomert. Hello, Carrie. Thanks for being here.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: Also, as always, Bailey Perkins.
1: Hello, Andy. Hey, everybody.
2: Hello.
0: And Scott Melson. What's up, dude? What's up? All right. How's everybody today? Good? Great.
3: Grand. Terrific. I just want to point out one thing. You said 200,000 people have voted already, right? In Oklahoma. I assume that's a record breaking number of some kind. Uh, That is as of this moment, roughly uh, 23,490 fewer people than have died from the coronavirus in the United States. Uh, It is still here and ongoing and actively getting worse. So as you are going about doing whatever you are doing in preparation for Halloween and you know, election day and the holidays. Please, please, please be careful and protect yourself and your family. That's all. Then we can talk. Now we can talk about the county. Halloween <laughs> coming up. The masks are
0: fashionable, so now it's a great time to do it. Um. All right. So I let's. Um. I'm going to start by getting some definitions, because I think for anyone who is not intimately familiar with the county government, um, it gets confusing in a hurry. <laughs> and I say that <laughs> as some of you spend most of the day <laughs> writing it down. Commissioner Bloomert, you have I understand this even more so. So from my vantage point, I think there's three boards that need to be defined. And, and it's important. I think listeners know who serves on each of these boards, right? So there's the board of county commissioners, which is the three county commissioners. Yes. So that's Commissioner Bloomert, Commissioner Mon, and Commissioner Kevin Calvey. Uh, each county in Oklahoma has three county commissioners, right? So yes. 77 times three. So just a quick pause there. An interesting deal, right? If you have a board with only, a public board with only three people, that means two people is a majority. And so there's all these like weird stories about how county commissioners aren't allowed to ride in the elevator together because if there's two of them in the elevator, they could collude and make a decision without the third person there
2: and to mix a quorum. So that's another interesting component of county government is that all it takes is two people to be present for decisions to be made.
0: It takes two things. All right. Um, So like, scary, right. So you, can't go to lunch with just commissioner Calvi because.
1: Correct. (laughs) I cannot, I cannot, I cannot go to lunch with them. I cannot send them an email regarding County business. I cannot send them a text message regarding County business. And I cannot pick up the phone and discuss County business. The only time I can discuss County business with my two colleagues is if we are in an open meeting. Oh my gosh. I didn't head about- just exploded. And the yeah. same
2: thing applies to even our county election boards because they operate the same way. Because they have um, a chair, a vice chair, and a secretary. So it's, right. that's an interesting oh, two county governance. So
3: that's like true. what what if one or the other, just by happenstance, <clears throat> like let's just say let's say uh, let's say Andy and Bailey and I all lived in different districts in Oklahoma County and we all ran for County commissioner and we all won. Like the three of us like talk and text like all the time. How do like, you're just, I mean, cause you're just, you just have to like never talk about business and then you have to have a way to prove that if you were together, you weren't talking about business or sort of.
1: So commissioner Calvin, commissioner Mon are friends outside of work. I don't think they spend a lot of time together, but just given it's Republican politics, they, they know each other. Uh, Just like I go to events and I see Senator Kurt at events. I'm friends with Senator Kurt. I text with Senator Kurt. I think they have the same type of relationship where they see each other out in the community, but you are correct. If the three of you were to get elected to county, the county commission, you could not have this podcast. I'm sorry to say, and you certainly could not text or have any communication outside of an open meeting regarding county business. Now, that is how our district attorney has interpreted the law. Other counties in Oklahoma, the county commission, the way that their district attorney has interpreted it is that county commissioners can discuss county business outside of meetings, but they cannot come to a decision or an agreement. So if our next- Right. If our next district attorney has a different interpretation of the Open Meetings Act, that might change here in Oklahoma County. But for right now, it's pretty strict.
3: I'm that intrigued. is Just to quote Andy, that is bananas.
0: It is bananas. Like he, it
1: is And I know that Commissioner Calvi and I disagree on a lot of things and I won't get into that, but I tell people this all the time, and a lot of people don't believe me, if Commissioner Calvi and I were allowed to have private discussions outside of meetings, I really think that he and I could work better together, and I think that we could come to to some agreements and some compromises on things. He's still going to do what he wants to do, and I'm still going to do what I want to do for the sake of our values and what we believe in, but I really think it would be a healthier environment. if and say with Commissioner Mon, if we were allowed to discuss things outside of meetings. Even. Commissioner
2: Bloomer, I think you bring up such an important point because with other levels of governance, we see the value of people being able to meet and have conversations before or after. Um, yes. I remember when I lived in uh, Arkansas, there used to be a hotel that's, maybe like a one minute walking distance from the Arkansas state Capitol. And now it's turned into like a, like an apartment where lawmakers who don't live within the area can rent during session. But they used to say that like, that's the area where people would go to have conversations with lawmakers and lawmakers would go there to talk with each other. And so there are areas where even people uh, aren't allowed as far as, um, like lobbyists and different things to go into certain places so that lawmakers could have that space to be able to have conversations, to negotiate, to come to a place of understanding. And so it's very, very unique, but also troublesome that that barrier is in place for Oklahoma County where you can't have conversations with your colleagues to help get understanding, to think things through, especially before you vote on decisions. Yeah.
0: That's it's like Joe Dorman's house, right? That's where everyone comes to stay, or they used to at least <laughs> here in the metro. <laughs> That's where I first met uh Leader Eccles was um at at Dorman called me and said, Hey, uh someone's have a meeting with you. Can you come over here for a beer? And I showed up and I was like, Oh,
3: hello Leader Eccles. <laughs> um how funny. So Commissioner what is what does a county commissioner do? You live in we live in Oklahoma County. Obviously we have seventy-seven counties there's three commissioners in all of them. I would imagine that you know maybe the the county commissioners the job of a county commissioner in Oklahoma County may look a little bit different than the job of a county commissioner in say Beaver. Um, but like here here in the metro like what does being a county commissioner what does that involve? What do you do?
1: So if you think of a city A larger city like Oklahoma City, they have a city manager. So Craig Freeman is the city manager and the mayor is kind of the figurehead of the city. The mayor does get to push projects and and policy and kind of lead the narrative, Um, but the city manager is who signs the contracts, oversees staff and hires and fires staff, um, oversees the budget. So The way I would describe what a county commissioner does is you combine those two jobs. Uh, You are the face of the county, you go out into the community and cut ribbons and break ground. And I met with students this morning out in Jones who are applying to West Point and the Air Force Academy and got to go meet them. And then the other part of the job is signing contracts and approving budgets and managing staff and managing programs. So you are running the business of county government, but you're also out in the community being the face of county government. And what I like about this job is that there's a lot of freedom to focus on what you care about. Um, Obviously I ran for this position because I care about justice reform and mental health. And I have a lot of latitude to be involved with Remerge and promote our drug court and mental health court program and work with staff inside the jail. Whereas Commissioner Mon might focus on something else, and Commissioner Calby might focus on something else, but we all have the same responsibilities of signing contracts um, and keeping the business of county government going. Did that answer
2: the
3: question? No, 100 percent. And like you all, you all different. Sorry, I had to take myself off mute. I'm oh. um, so you all have different districts, right? Yes. Um, you represent yes. different parts of the county. So like, let's say there's something that's a priority for you. Is that something that you can, like, I guess, can you can you make decisions for your district or are all decisions county wide and have to be agreed on by a vote of the three commissioners?
1: That's a very good question. I'll try to give you some examples. So anytime we are spending county dollars Typically, that is a vote of the Board of Commissioners. Now, in my district, it's very important to me that we partner with our public schools and use our road and bridge crews to do work on public school property, which is legal, it's in state statute, um, and, and a lot of our schools, it is much less expensive for them to contract with the county crews than to hire a private contractor. So for instance, Jones Public Schools building a new early childhood center and they wanted district one county crews to come in and do most of the dirt work and the asphalt work and a lot of the the pre-work before the building is actually built and that's in my district and I made that choice to have that initial conversation with the superintendent but that contract for us to do that work went before the full board and the three of us are typically very respectful of what we want to do in our own districts. And we've, since I've been here, we've always been very supportive of like that vote to, to do the Jones the Jones project, 3-0 three, three vote. It, there's really no issues when it comes to our own districts. Same with Commissioner Calvey. He does quite a bit of work up in Deer Creek. Um, Deer Creek is actually unincorporated. It is not its own town. Um, so we do all of the roads and bridges in Deer Creek, and so anything on the agenda for that, typically Brian and I, um, you know, don't make a squabble. We we want to be supportive of that. So every year we have a, a county budget, and each district, um, district one, two, and three, we each build our own budget and get it approved um, by the, the other <laughs> the three of us. And so if I want to spend within my budget. Uh, that doesn't really have to go before the board, but any sort of contract where Oklahoma County would be entering into a contract for services, that has to go before the board.
2: Commissioner, can you go into the distinctions between the county commission entity and then the county board? So, some of the differences yes. between yes. the decisions you make as county commissioners, and then what it means for things to go before the entire county board.
1: So, would you like me to describe the the board of county commissioners versus the budget board? Sure. Yeah. Okay. And
0: yeah, and if you could tell us who's on the budget board, that would be helpful. Okay.
1: As well, so every county has these positions, no matter how big or small your county is. There are eight county elected positions. Uh, Three of those positions are the county commissioners. They are the only three that are elected from a district. All the other county elected positions are countywide. So you have your three commissioners, you have your county sheriff, your county assessor uh, who assesses the value of your property, the county treasurer, the court clerk, and the county clerk. Don't confuse those two. Um, so those five those five last positions I named are elected Especially countywide. Especially
2: because we're going to be voting on them. So
1: <laughs> yes. So in November, county residents will be voting on county sheriff, county clerk, court clerk, and then if you live in District Two, you're voting for commissioner. Now, right. district attorney, the district attorney is a countywide elected seat, but the district attorney is serving a state function. Um, because they are part of the state court system and so they are not the the district attorney does not serve on the county budget board uh in, but the in different district attorney, districts
0: sorry i was saying in different some districts are are bigger than one county but here in oklahoma correct. county it's correct just our county
1: right correct um i'm trying to think of there's several counties where one da represents multiple counties right so Those eight positions I listed are who serves on the county budget board. Now not every county has a county budget board. Every county has those eight elected seats but not every county has a budget board. The commissioners have the freedom, this is in state statute, the commissioner, the county commissioners have the freedom to vote to create a budget board and it just puts in another level of bureaucracy but it's another level of eyes on the budget, approving contracts, approving spending. And it's just another way to have your elected officials overseeing your your budget. So our budget board typically meets once a month. During COVID, we have met almost every week. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes we'll meet twice a week. It just depends on what claims we need to process and what contracts we need to look at especially with CARES money, we've had to meet once a week. Um, So the budget board really makes recommendations to the commissioners because the commissioners are the final stop. They are the ones that make the final approval on budgeting contracts policies. Uh, So the budget board really makes everything has to go. If it's going to be an item that goes before the budget board, it's probably also going to go before the commissioners. there's really only one department that reports up to the budget board and it's the purchasing department where the commissioners, there's I think 10 departments that report up to the commissioners. Hmm.
0: So this makes helps make sense because if you go through the Oklahoma County website with all the meeting notices and agendas, right? Like there's all the county meetings on there and it'll frequently be, and we will talk about this here in just a little bit, uh, a vote on one day by the budget board to do something and then that decision or recommendation goes to the commissioners to vote on yes. another day and um, as we get into talking about the jail trust then like it trickles on down to the jail trust like yes. some like, things with care, cares dollars right it's been like bing bang boom yeah um, and so you have multiple votes on essentially the same issue before it right.
3: actually happens but the only
1: vote would... binding
3: the only vote that's binding is the county commissioner vote, right? Like everything yes. else is just recommendations.
1: Yes, I would sort of equate it and Bailey, maybe you can speak to this. I would sort of equate it to a bill that goes back and forth between it's voted on in the house, it's voted on in the Senate and then it's voted on and again again in the house. It, it is many levels of bureaucracy, but it's, it's there to put more eyes on things mm-hmm. so that things don't slip through incorrectly or, behind the scenes or anything like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and especially to elevate the point we lifted in the beginning,
2: that you have a body of three making decisions and it takes two to make a quorum. So yes. you are leaving budgetary decisions in the hands of potentially two, but ultimately three people. And so yeah. that layer of checks and balances um, makes sense to have that approval. Cause I think you're spot on with even the legislative process. Like it's extensive for a bill yeah. to go to sure. law, but yes. especially a budget bill.
1: <laughs> Cause yes. it starts
2: in like all of these subcommittee levels that go yes. into a committee that then go to the floor, but then if there's changes, it goes back to the other. Yes. So it is just a layer of transparency that
1: yes. um,
2: makes sense for such a small, powerful entity.
1: And we have several committees that are made up of staff. Um, The elected officials do not sit on the committees, their staff do. And so anything that typically comes before the budget board has been through our budget committee and anything that comes to the commissioners typically has been through one of the three or four committees that the commissioners have.
3: Hmm. And and if I'm, Understanding, right? One of the things that county commissioners can do is create new layers of bureaucracy or committees or like a trust, right? So, like, you guys created the jail trust in May of 2019. Can you tell us what the jail trust is and like why we have it? When I assume Oklahoma has had a county jail run by the county sheriff. Ever since we've had an Oklahoma county, um, I would, I would, I would imagine one of the first things we did was build a jail. Um, <laughs> that seems, it seems like us. Um, so, why in May of 2019 did we create a jail trust? How did that come to be?
1: What a nice segue. Uh, so, I keep saying in state statute because. Every authority that is given to a county commissioner is lined out in state statute. When you think of a city like Oklahoma City, they have a city charter and their city charter, any changes to it has to be voted on by the city, which there are several on the November 3rd ballot. For county commissioners, everything I do is governed by state statute and can only be changed by the state legislature. So in state statute, there are several types of public trusts that the commissioners can create for various reasons and one of those is a is a public trust to run your county jail and there in title 19 and in title 60 it lays out two different types of trusts a title 19 trust the commissioners would vote on it to send it to a vote of the people and the community the The residents of Oklahoma County would have to vote to create that trust and that trust would only have financial oversight over the jail. They would not have operational oversight. What we did was a Title 60 trust and a Title 60 trust can be created by a vote of the county commissioners and to run your county jail. It can have financial and operational oversight. And then the only two positions that are in state statute that have to be on that trust is a member of the board of county commissioners and the county sheriff. And there are no maximum, there's no maximum number of trustees. And I believe the minimum is either three or five. I can't remember. The minimum might be five. So before, even before I became commissioner, there was lots of talk of, do we want a title 19 trust or do we want a title 60 trust? And ultimately, it, we, we created a Title 60 trust, mostly because of that operational piece. If you look back from the 1995 grand jury report, when the, I believe the, maybe the commissioners or I have this document somewhere in my stuff, either the commissioners were sued or the, I think it was actually the um. Construction company that built the jail was sued, and they went before a grand jury. And the grand jury report afterwards recommended that they create a jail trust um, because the format of a sheriff running the jail wasn't working. And that was 1995, so it took us 24 years to do it. Uh, And despite how you know what we all what we what people say about Commissioner Calvi. I will say that when he and I got into that, to office, he was the one that pushed it the most. And we have it now mostly because he was the one that really drove those conversations behind the scenes.
2: And also he's the person who represents the county commissioners on the trust, correct? Yes, yes. So he is the one
1: commissioner that sits on the trust. Um, so we are. we have a Title 60 trust. We have nine members on our trust. Each of those members was appointed by the commissioners and i'll get into in a, in a minute how what each of those nine positions are um title 60 trust has financial and operational oversight the trust almost immediately took a vote to hire their own administrator which means that the sheriff no longer runs the jail um the sheriff sits on the trust and i i i if i remember correctly he probably voted no on that um so the, from the vote of hiring an administrator to the administrator actually taking over was about a year. Um, And that was because if you think of the jail trust and their administrator, they were basically creating a whole new entity and a whole new organization to run that jail. So they had to Um, set up a bank account and set up an EIN number and set up HR policies and get a website and get emails and do payroll and get a logo. And I mean, everything you can think of when you're starting a new organization, they had to do it. And we had to do a lot of contracts and agreements between the county and the trust on what services we as the county would do for them and what services they need to go and contract out on their own for.
3: So did we hire, like when you say a jail administrator, did we hire like a person who is now our jail administrator or did we contract with like a private corrections company who runs private prisons to come in and administer the jail?
1: So the jail trust hired a man named Greg Williams, who is an independent person. He does not, he's not associated with any private company. He worked for DOC for many years his background is corrections and social work, and he is not law enforcement. He is he has a background in running a detention facility and running a a really a prison. Um, so, what I appreciate about Greg is number one, he has the experience in social work, and number two, he does not approach the job from the lens of law enforcement. Mm. He approaches the job of from the lens of This is a government-run facility that needs to be a humane facility with a focus on customer service and spending tax dollars wisely and helping people get the resources they need while they're here. Um, So
3: is it accurate to say then, just to kind of, so 1995, there's a grand jury report that basically says y'all are not running your jail very well, and we recommend that there's a jail trust to like run it better. For, For 25 years, we did not do that. And then in March of 2019, we said, hey, so, you know, back, you know, in the day, in the 90s, when, you know, NSYNC was the rage, we, uh, we decided like there's, there was a recommendation that we do a jail trust. We should do that now because we've continued to have problems with the jail. We created a Title 60 trust, the board appointed commissioners, and then the sheriff resigned and you hired Mr. Williams to come in and yes. run the jail.
1: Yes. And, and I too- appreciate that you said sync because I was not a Backstreet Boys fan. I am an NSYNC girl. So I hear you, that. me
2: too. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is a good time for, oh, go ahead. Well, I was, was going to
0: say just some other points on that timeline. Um, so, because we're going to, we're going to kind of walk through the last year-ish, right? Um, so May of 2019 is when the trust was created, um, they hired the administrator in November, um, and the trust officially assumed management of the jail July 1st of this year of, of 2020. Yes. So it was yes. it was a l- little bit more than a year from when the trust was created to when they actually took over the jail. Yes. Uh, and so, as you said, a lot had to happen in that year, right? Like, there's yes. a lot of stuff you can't just walk in and be like, okay, let's just keep going. Um,
1: right. Had we to do- had to... Oh, man, I'm now it's all coming back to me now, especially regarding the employees. Mm -hmm. The employees in the jail were working for the sheriff's office. Anyone who wanted to continue working in the jail had to switch their employment from the sheriff's office to working for the criminal justice authority, which is the official name for the jail trust. Mm -hmm. So we as the budget board and then I was on the retirement board then. We had to take several votes and draw up several contracts to allow those employees to keep their benefits, keep their retirement, keep their insurance, mm-hmm. keep their vacation hours, keep their sick hours. We had to hire outside counsel. We hired McAfee Taft to help us draw up all of those documents because there was a lot of fear from the sheriff's office during that transition because those employees wanted to keep their benefits.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's just an enormous undertaking. Yeah. Anyone who's changed jobs as we all have, like it's a headache for yourself to change jobs. Imagine doing that for the entire jail right. for people who were, Sad. it was not up to them. Right. Like it was, yeah. they You were like, this is happening. want to keep working here? You got to reapply. Right. Okay. So, so this, Andy, this I is why to, it took a year though. Yeah.
2: I'd like to put a point within that timeline um, to also add in, march of 2020 is when a pandemic started
1: <laughs> so yes. that's another
2: important yes. pinpoint in the timeline of the creation of the jail trust and an yeah. added level of complication of what county government had to deal with at the time
0: yeah hello yes. COVID. yeah so on on the trust um the well carrie you were commissioner Blumberg, you were going to talk about how the jail trust members got there right Okay, I'll yes.
1: You do so we have nine trustees. Uh, one is Commissioner Calvi. And the way he got on there is that the three commissioners voted on who would be our representative. I did nominate myself and I did not get a vote. <laughs> uh, but
3: you didn't vote and- for yourself.
1: I didn't get a second, so there, no vote could take place. It's, it takes uh, the two others uh, to yeah, make up what Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: No dadgum Roberts rules.
1: If only <laughs> I could second my own motion, you know. So no. it's Commissioner Calbee, uh, the sheriff, which the sheriff, once he lost his re-election, because, you know, it's this awkward time where he's not going to take office again in January, but he has to finish out his term. He publicly announced that he was resigning, which technically he can't really do that he that was just him saying i'm going to always send my representative uh, so his representative is his general counsel danny honeycutt and so danny is there on behalf of the sheriff's office and votes on behalf of the sheriff's office but the sheriff can't legally resign from the jail trust
3: You're like no i don't want to do this
2: because this- he still right. is the elected sheriff until Correct. the
1: yeah. new sheriff takes Correct. over
2: so. yes
1: Yes. So we have Commissioner Calvi, the sheriff, and then each of the three commissioners got their own sort of personal appointee. And again, in an effort to be respectful of each other's choices, all three of us voted unanimously for each of our appointees. So my appointee is Francie Ekwerekwu, who is a public defender with TEAM. She's also a professor at UCO. Uh, Commissioner Calvey's appointee is Todd Lamb, former Lieutenant Governor Todd Lamb. And then Commissioner Mons appointee is Ben Brown, former Senator Ben Brown. Um, so that makes five. And then we had four, again, there, there's really no limit in state statute. So we could have had a lot more than nine, but we felt nine was, I actually cannot think back to why we chose nine. Um, a lot has happened since then. <laughs> for some reason, we chose nine. It works well um, for the Supreme Court. Yes, thank you for that reference. Um, so the final four. It sort of evolved that the um, Criminal Justice Advisory Council, which is a community council of all different stakeholders in the justice system, who meet once a month. It's chaired by Clay Bennett, the owner of the Thunder. They sort of put together their own list of four people and presented that list to the commissioners as a recommendation that they felt like these four people should be trustees. So we took their recommendations and we actually voted on those four as a block. We did not vote on them individually. And there really was no, um, there's nothing in state statute that says how you are to choose those other people. That's just sort of what happened and and how we chose those four. Um, So the four people are Tricia Everest, who's former assistant attorney general and currently the board chair at Palomar. Sue Ann Arnall with the Arnall Family Foundation and founder of the Diversion Hub. Jim Couch, former city manager for Oklahoma City and M.T. Berry, former police chief for Oklahoma City. So that makes your nine members. And then they hired their own general counsel. They hired their own jail administrator. And then since then, the jail administrator has hired some of his own team inside the jail
3: so that gets us that gets us up to july 1 when the trust officially assumed management of the jail when the new team is in place trust is taking over right and so then it was like yeah andy go for it well so i was gonna say we're gonna um kind of
0: for the next like 20 minutes talk about Two timelines that kind of run concurrently. It's two issues, right? So one is the CARES Act dollars, which are the COVID nineteen federal relief dollars that went to the county, and then the county has to decide what to do with them. Um, and then we'll also talk about ICE, which is the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, um, and their relationship with the jail. and And as as we were talking before we started recording, these are. These are separate timelines, but because it's the same entities, it all gets intermingled, right? Yes. And so, when it feels like, for most of us at home, that there is something happening with the county government, like every other day, it's because there is, right? And you said, like, you guys meet all the time, and and it's and it seems like both of these have been like big issues, and it's just bam, 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 bam happening. So um, maybe not that many bams, but I am a higher than average proportion of BAMs, I think, to weeks. And
2: I want to lift before Commissioner Blumert gets started is um, how instrumental she was in keeping people informed about what was going on, but also fighting for adequate uses of CARES Act dollars. And so there may be frustration about what's happening in the process, but I'm grateful to have somebody on our podcast today who can walk through the different steps that have happened um, and who was an integral part of pushing for accountability in this process and pushing for a uh, different usage of our dollars. So I want to thank you before we get into the discussion, because yeah. it's going to get complicated. I will thank second you.
3: that. Yes. All in favor. So- Aye. let right. <laughs> let's, let's maybe if this, Why don't don't I just go, I'm going to go through real quick and kind of say like what has happened from the like 50,000 foot view and then maybe commissioner you can like provide some like the the context and fill in the, the gaps for us. So, an okay stop here? Were you just going to read things and we're going (laughs) to say, okay, stop. Yeah, Yeah, let's do that. So, uh, okay, stop, TM. Um, (laughs) So, August the 13th, the budget board, not the jail trust, not the board of county commissioners, but the budget board votes five to three to move $36 million of CARES Act funds to the jail trust. At the time, there was some questioning, um, specifically by County Treasurer, Butch Freeman, whether this was actually legal to move that money, but the vote happened and they did it anyway, right? So then- like, And I will
1: point out, can I point out yeah, something?
3: Absolutely, whenever you want.
1: The week <laughs> okay, before stop. that, okay, stop. <laughs> the week before that, that item actually appeared on a county commissioner's agenda and I, my eyeballs almost fell out of my head. And I said, this hasn't been through budget board. This hasn't been to the DA. I cannot believe this is even on the agenda. This is crazy. And so Calvi, Commissioner Calvi was the one who put it on there. And he said, okay, I'm amenable to putting it on the budget board's agenda. Um, so it did make it on an agenda the week before, but I, th- it was so preposterous to me that I- I requested it go through the right process, thinking that it would just totally die in budget board. Okay, so that happens.
2: Before we go into that, can you talk about um, the role that you learned about the DA in deciding how those dollars could be spent? Because the way that the dollars are spent in other counties like Tulsa County is completely different than how Oklahoma yes. County spending its dollars. So before we get into that part of the timeline, we need to talk about that pre-part and how Oklahoma County making the decision to only spend those dollars on county-specific items came to be.
1: Correct. Correct. I just combined the word right and correct, and I said correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, Oklahoma County received $47 million in CARES money in February of 2020. And when cities and counties applied for CARES dollars, you did not apply for a certain amount. You essentially said how many people your body of government served. And then the treasury decided how much money you should get. You don't know what their formula was. So $47 million was a lot of money. That is one third of our annual budget here at the county. Our annual budget this year was $112 million. That's a third. Yeah. So as soon as we get the money, I start setting up calls with workforce development, mental health, the chamber. I want to figure out what is the best way to spend this money. What is the greatest need right now? Um, we in Oklahoma County might have a, a few expenses to, sp- to spend this money on to keep county government running, but the majority of the money I felt should be spent on small businesses, nonprofits, people who are losing their jobs, um, people who are needing mental health treatment
2: to stop so, evictions.
1: Correct. So we start having these meetings, and our committee, our budget evaluation team (BET) is what we call them, who makes recommendations to the budget board, started having meetings about the money, and my office put together a list of seven categories of where we thought the money should be spent. And we presented these seven categories and they really didn't take off that much. No one seemed that excited about them. So I'm trying to think of how we got this DA's opinion. I believe I submitted a question to the DA's office regarding if we could give money to the city county health department. And the DA's office came back and said, no, you cannot. Because that funding, the OCCHD, is not a current part of your budget. The OCCHD gets funding from property taxes, but it's not as if the money comes through the commissioners and we allocate it to them. It's just, uh, it's just a millage rate that they get from your property taxes, just like schools and, and Metro Tech and uh, Francis Tuttle. So the DA said you cannot use CARES money to fund things that are not current programs in, in county government. So that was frustrating because that meant that we couldn't do a small business program, we couldn't do a nonprofit support program because those were not programs already in existence with Oklahoma County. But what we were told was that you have several public trusts that you, the county, are the sole beneficiary. It is legal for you to give to take care's money and give it to your public trusts. So then we switched gears and we started at looking at what our public trusts could do. And the first one we identified was our Home Finance Authority, and we were able to get $1.5 million of our CARES money to our Home Finance Authority to do rental assistance and utility assistance for residents who don't live in Oklahoma City, but live in the county. So that is how this conversation of the jail trust came into play. I was always supportive of giving the jail trust some of our CARES money. I think I would have been supportive of up to $10 million dollars because the jail was experiencing an outbreak of COVID and they needed resources to respond and to keep their staff safe and to keep detainees safe.
2: And commissioner, I wanna add one other important factor is that you have until December 31st to spend these funds, correct?
1: Yes, thank you for pointing that out. The money was given uh, early April, And December, actually, December 30th is the deadline, which is odd because there's one more day in December. So every city and county and state in the entire United States that received CARES dollars, as of today, the deadline is still December 30th. Is that to
3: spend them or to have a plan to spend them? To spend them. So it's got to be out the door. And if it's not, you got to give it back.
1: Yes. So whatever is unspent has to be returned to the Treasury. And we have tried to get the date extended. Lots of counties have tried to get the date extended. I was on a call this morning where we were discussing get the, getting the date extended. I don't know how that would work or if there's any appetite for that. If they could just extend it to March 1st, that would help us out a lot, but we'll see. So the now we are back up to the, the March meeting, um, Scott, that you mentioned because we were now at a point where we had kind of figured out ways that we could spend this money to help people and it was through a lot of our public trusts and our jail trust happens to be a public trust and the the trusts we have four we have five trusts let's see public buildings authority OIA home finance jail um finance we might have five trusts i would have to I know this, but it's Friday at f- four o'clock.
3: Hey, um you, you, yes. you, you listed four more than I knew existed. So
1: Okay. So those trusts, when we give money to the when we give CARES money to those trusts, what the trust, whatever trust it is, what they spend CARES money on, you still have to follow CARES guidelines. And the trust also has to stay within their own indenture. So the home finance authority has the ability to do rental assistance and utility assistance. I couldn't give $1.5 million to the jail trust and ask them to do utility assistance and rental assistance, because that is not, they don't have that authority. It's not their deal. Right. So we still, everyone still has to abide by cares dollars restrictions. And then once it goes into an account of a trust, it now has to abide by the rules of that trust.
3: And cares so, dollars restrictions just for people that may not know cares dollars restrictions means like you can't use cares dollars to pay stuff that you should have already budgeted for. Like you can't correct. be like, oh, it's cares money now I can use this to pay my salaries of my employees or benefits or other stuff that maybe I'm already obligated to pay, but I was coming up short. You can't. You can't CARES build
2: buildings. With yeah. It. yeah, you got to right. use
3: cares act funds for stuff that is directly related to your response to the coronavirus pandemic. Right. Correct. So that's like Correct. hiring extra staff or upgrading your buildings to yes. like, you know, have isolation rooms or negative airflow or what have you like that stuff counts, but you can't just be like, Oh, look, we've been hurting for cash for 10 years. Here's a pot of 15 million bucks. Let's, uh, let's spend some stuff like right. that doesn't work.
1: And we have been told by the state auditor's office that these funds will be audited just like every other federal grant we receive. So our audit for this fiscal year will not take place until next summer and fall. Uh, now if we spent any of our cares money before June 30th, which is the, our fiscal year, uh, which we, I think we spent some before June 30th, then they would be audited this year, but the bulk of that auditing will take place next year.
3: Beautiful. So we applied for cares funds. We got the cares funds in April. You were looking at how's all the ways we can use this. You had some ideas that didn't take off. Then you started looking at giving money to the various trusts to meet some of these needs. One of which was the jail trust and thought, Kind of the, the thinking was we were going to allocate these dollars in some form or fashion among the various trusts that are overseen by the county for COVID response. Then we get to this meeting on eight thirteen where Commissioner Calvey had agreed like, all right, we'll put it on the budget board. The budget board says we're going to vote to move 36 million or like, you know, 80-ish percent of our CARES funds to the jail trust. County Treasurer uh, Freeman says, I don't know if we're allowed to do this, but we did it anyway. Then a week later in the the meeting heard around the world, um, the, the county commissioners uh, voted to move $34 million in CARES funds to the jail trust. The meeting, I think, convened at nine. This was item 22 on the agenda. It was voted on at like Nine minutes or like at nine o'clock and forty-eight seconds before you were even seated. Um, your representative who was there while you were getting to the meeting said that he wasn't even sure the vote was taking place. Um it passed to zero. There were lots of people there, there was much consternation and gnashing of teeth. Is that uh because remember we
2: said in the beginning, all it takes is two for a quorum. Yep. So
3: So is yeah, that you an, got it right,
2: Scott?
1: Is that an yeah, accurate, that's accurate assessment of what happened? Yeah, okay. That's so very this accurate. Was,
3: this was on August the 19th. Um, and again, still a lot of questions about how legal this is or not. Then 12 days later, on August the 31st, the jail trust meets and they said, Yes, we will accept 37 million in federal cares dollars, um, three million dollars for airflow at the jail, and 34 million for you know what ails you as yet undetermined expenditures. (laughs) Uh, Um, Also, there's
1: another 3 million included in there for hazard pay. So the jail actually got a total of 40 million. uh,
3: 40 million, all right. Can I interrupt,
1: please, please,
0: Please. Um, to ask about that? So as I was making this timeline earlier today, there was a lot of different numbers that (laughs) to the magnitude of millions of dollars difference, right? There was 34 million, 36 million, 37 million, 40 million and so i thought at one point that it was like there was 34 million going to the jail trust plus three more for a total of 37 million but in another article it referenced 36 and that they only voted to move 34 and no one really knew what happened with the other two you just said 40. i'm going to trust you the most okay what the hell is my question let me
1: explain (laughs) and it is it is so understandable that you are confused because things were changed at the last minute and it, it it was so confusing. So here is what was actually voted on. There were three different votes that the budget board took and that the commissioners took for, to send money to the jail trust. Number one, $3 million for hazard pay. Number two, $3 million for HVAC, heat and air, all that kind of stuff. And then the third item on the agenda, originally the agenda item said $36 million. And at the last minute, based on convert, this is what I have heard that Commissioner Calvi had conversations with other members of the budget board because in budget board, we voted on 36. But once it got to the commission, it became 34 because supposedly the day before, Commissioner Calvey talked to several, several members of the budget board and they decided that if we sent 36, that would leave almost no money for Oklahoma County to spend it on things that we might need internally. So at the last minute, Calvey made the motion that it would be 34 million and so that we would leave behind about 2 million. So it was 34 plus three plus three, so it ended up being 40.
3: Okay, but there was
1: never a there was never a vote on on, on 40. forty million dollars. It was three separate three votes. Separate. Okay, and the the final big chunk of that it was thirty six, and then at the last minute, Commissioner Calvi verbally motioned for it to be thirty four. So. Okay,
3: so that's how you get to a total of forty, but Correct. three, 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 and thirty four. Okay, so yes. then roughly a month later almost on the 21st of September, there is another meeting of the jail trust and this jail, this meeting, the, um, I mean, a lot is happening at all of the jail trust meetings, <laughs> but, but at this meeting of the jail trust, there was a vote, um, uh, four to two. And this was a vote that essentially four to, said, two to, one. Four to two, one. um, not to honor ICE, detainers. Now, real quick, essentially, and and if I get this wrong, Commissioner, um, uh, okay, stop me and correct it, but the, the, the super brief way of thinking about this is that, okay, somebody gets arrested, they're at the Oklahoma County Jail, they would otherwise be eligible for release. However, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, also known as ICE, has said, "Hey, we have an interest in this person for possible immigration violations. We want you to hold on to them, even though they should be released for the reason that you arrested them." So, like, that I is got a ar-
1: perfect explanation.
3: I got arrested for allegedly stealing a candy bar. I got booked. I spent something, you know, twenty-four hours at county jail. I made bail, but. ICE has said, "Nope, that Melson, he looks like he is, you know, doing something. He's not supposed to be here. Hold on to him for two days until we can check it out, right? Yes. There are jails and municipalities all over the country who say, no, like, we're not going to do that. There are actually legal opinions that state that that's not a legal thing to do. Um, And at this particular meeting on September 21st, the jail trust voted saying four to two to one, we are not gonna honor those detainers. We are not gonna cooperate with ICE in this particular way. It However- was the,
1: It was the detainers and having two ICE agents officing in the jail.
3: Okay, okay. So when
1: you're booked in at our jail right now, you come face to face with an ICE officer and he or she or they look up your information and and figure out if, if you are of interest to them. And so the vote was also to remove those agents from the jail and no longer cooperate with them, them in that way.
3: Okay. However, and this is like a huge however, this is like a semicolon however comma uh, in your in your sixth grade English class. Um, um, what turns out that in the rules that govern the jail trust, you can't have a vote of four to two to one and like pass something. You got to have five. Um, right. And for reasons that I don't know are super important, that um, was four to two to one. So there had to be, or there was going to have to be, a re-vote, right, Correct. to see what would happen. The other thing that happened at this particular meeting is that the trust passed a resolution saying that yeah, we're going to accept that thirty-four million um, from the, uh, we're going to accept that for thirty-four million from the county commissioners, um, but we don't have a plan to spend it. We have a lot of things we need to spend it on, but we're not sure which ones and we're not sure which ones are legal. And um, but we're going to take the money for now and figure out how we'll spend it later, hopefully before December 30th. Is that Right. right? That's correct. Excellent. So that's 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 September 21st. Then on September the 30th, there's an emergency meeting. Why was the meeting an emergency meeting? This was not a regularly scheduled meeting. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. The word emergency, it can be interchanged with the word special. Okay. Um, you can have a special meeting yeah. and an emergency meeting, and they mean the same thing. Okay. It's just a meeting that was not previously scheduled with the Secretary of State, and it's to discuss and vote on business that needs to be voted on immediately.
3: Interesting. Okay. So there's an emergency meeting. The jail trust authorizes $3 million in CARES money to be used on a no-bid repair contract with an out-of-state contractor, I would just like to take a point of personal privilege here and rec- and uh, state that um, I am always hearing from elected officials that uh, um, you know governmental agencies need to uh, we should you know people don't run their households like this, and so we should run government the way people families run their household. I always do any repair work at my house on a no-bid contract with an out-of-state contractor. <laughs> when, something, when something breaks at my house. I just i I just Google somebody and say, "Hey, can you come fix this?" and don't worry about how much it's going to cost. Tell me later. That's the approach that I take. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so there was an emergency meeting to get three. And is this three million additional dollars on top of the three plus three plus thirty four that we contracted earlier? So now it's a total of forty three. Or is this? No,
1: no. I think that three was the three we voted on specifically for heat and air improvements.
3: Delightful. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So this is on September. And and
1: to answer your question about the bidding process, I am not completely clear on what types of purchasing procedures and bidding procedures a public trust has to follow. That would be a question for the trust general counsel. The, the public buildings authority trust that I sit on, that the three commissioners sit on, we follow every regular county purchasing procedure that the county commissioners have to follow. So there's concern for me. I'm not going to say that they're not following purchasing procedures because I don't know legally what their purchasing procedures are. That would be a question again for their general counsel.
3: Interesting. All right. So but the, it could a,
2: lead to, I'm going to ask my cousin who yeah. does yeah. this and, and is charging <laughs> the most expensive thing. So like, right. that, that makes sense.
3: His specialty right. is fixing HVAC systems in jails. That's what he does. Yeah. It's his whole yeah. job. Um, so the other thing they did on September 30th was they canceled the regularly scheduled trust meeting that was supposed to be held on October Correct. the 5th Correct. and moved those to October the 19th. And, this is- and that was a
1: little frustrating because Francie had requested to put the ice item back on for the 5th and the chair canceled the meeting. Um, So that was a little frustrating
3: so then this is when it gets um this is when it gets like real sticky i feel like um spicy (laughs) there we go so so then on october 5th like a few days later the board of oklahoma county commissioners you guys met and in a two to one vote said oh yes the jail is in fact going to cooperate with ICE detainers. Now this, I am not the sharpest, you know, I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box, but this is confusing to me because it seems like (laughs) not not 30 minutes ago, we established that you guys turned operation of the jail over to the jail trust. So how is it that you all can tell the jail what they do and don't have to do because you don't run it because the jail trust, Runs. Right, Right. Right.
1: That's, that's why I voted no, because I did not believe we had the authority to pass that policy.
3: Okay. And so, yes, yeah, so you voted no. Commissioners Calvi and Vaughn said, no, nah, this is no problem, uh, because Commissioner Calvin says that the lease agreement with the trust for operation of the jail states that they shall follow county policy. And so he is arguing we are setting county policy, but that's interesting because there's no other county entity to which this policy would apply.
1: Correct,
3: correct. And I will yeah. also add that there are some um,
0: emails that have been released through an open records um, request since then that I didn't find until later when I was making this deal um, from Commissioner Calvi to um, so, um, chairperson Everest and some others. Yes. I yeah, like saying like, hey, you know, we should take out some of this language in these contracts because we don't need all of that. Um, and it, it, it paved the way for this kind of thing to be like, okay, well, we, we want them to follow our policy. So we're gonna make the policy and the contract that I, you know, that we wrote earlier said they got to follow our policy and so here we are. And it like, it's to me as a layperson it is one of those things where it's like, I can get from A to B, I can get from B to
3: C, but when I look from A to C, I'm like, what the
0: heck? Yeah.
1: Here? Yeah.
3: So this is okay. So this is on October the 5th. You guys have this meeting where it's like, what what just happened again? So we're we're now telling the jail trust what they have to do to operate the jail because it's county policy now, apparently. And then
2: yeah, Scott, we got to get to my favorite part about
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I'll then guess. do you want to take it from here, Bailey? You want to
2: Oh no no you you're doing a great job because I just I'm excited to hear how you're going to describe
3: <laughs>
2: somebody suing themselves yeah. in the interview that they're well, in.
3: Well yeah so so then the next day this is October October the 6th so the next day um, and remember, we've so now we're at this point where there's CARES money that's been sent to the jail trust, and it's not clear that that's something that can happen. Now there's this ICE vote that didn't really count. So ICE is still at the jail. And so the two lingering issues are like, what about the CARES funding, and what are we going to do with ICE at the jail? And really, who has the authority to be like making these decisions, right? Uh, like at all. So then, on, <laughs> then on, on October the 6th, a lawsuit is filed by Commissioner Calvi, asking the court to order that the trust has to do, the jail trust has to do what the county commissioners tell them to do. Now this is just bonkers because like, so the petition right, the lawsuit is filed on behalf of the Oklahoma Second Amendment Association, um, Tom Vineyard, who's a guy and then- He's a
1: pastor at a some Baptist church.
3: And then Commissioner Calvey himself in his official capacity as county commissioner.
2: So he's so, the plaintiff and the defendant.
3: And but and the lawyer. So, and he's the lawyer. The, so he's the lawyer and the plaintiff, but then he also sits on the jail trust. So he's also the defendant. Literally, the moment this came out, I got a text from a lawyer who was like, You can't do this. Like you can't be, you can't be like plaintiff, defendant, and attorney of record. And if I'm I'm not a lawyer, so if plaintiff and defendant are not the right terms here, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, th- those are the
1: right words. Okay, yeah. well then,
3: right. So this, yeah. And then the other question that I don't know the answer to is why I just, how does the Oklahoma Second Amendment Association and how does the pastor of a church, like, how do they have standing? Like, why do they, why would they get to sue this? Like, like, and, and, like, like, what, like, could, I mean, maybe I should file a lawsuit saying, actually, I demand right. that the jail trust does not follow what the board of Oklahoma County Commissioners says to do, because I, Scott Melson, deem it unacceptable. Like- and I'm going
2: to add one other question with that, because I know we're running low on time. Can you talk about also the cost that it's going to be to the taxpayers to have yes. to deal with?
1: Them? Yes. So everything you said, Scott, is correct. Um... The, I don't know how the OK2A has standing. Tom Vineyard has standing because he is a taxpayer. Um, I've had my first deputy try to explain this to me of, of why Tom Vineyard could be included, but we haven't really discussed why 2A can be included. Anyway, uh, you have not said yet that DA Prater has entered into the lawsuit.
3: Yes, yes, that's yeah. So that's the next. That's the next thing is ten days after this, um, District Attorney David Prater. Um, filed what is called a motion to intervene um, and essentially said, um, <clears throat> no, no. Um, as it turns out, uh, the, the DA's office is actually the official representative for Oklahoma County in all legal matters. So um, not Commissioner Calvi is not the representative right. of, of the county and he cannot take that authority onto himself. So he... Um, also says that the Board of County Commissioners does not have any authority over the trust, at least not in this way, um, and says that the lease agreement says that while the county does, in fact, own the jail, the trust is responsible for its management and is essentially asked, he has asked the judge to allow his office to intervene in the suit, and then I would expect that if he is allowed to intervene, the next, the next uh, item would be a motion to dismiss is my assumption. Um,
1: um, but That's I, my assumption I, as well, but we don't know what the, I don't know what the court's going to do back to Bailey's comment about um, using taxpayer money. So the jail trust, because they are now involved in a lawsuit against them, they are having to hire outside counsel because their current general counsel specializes in public trusts. He is a trust attorney, he is not a litigator. So they are having to spend your tax dollars defending themselves in a lawsuit from one of their own members who happens to also be a county commissioner. So that's an issue. Now, I want the trust to be able to defend themselves. I don't dispute that, but it's frustrating that they're having to and having to spend tax dollars on that.
3: Sounds like efficient government to me.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> um, the Back to DA Prater, representing the Board of County Commissioners. So uh, we currently this year and almost every other fiscal year, we as the board have a, a contract with the district attorney's office we pay the district attorney a some amount for them to represent us for the whole year in our official capacity and because the three commissioners are the body politic of oklahoma county we are sued quite a bit um, anytime there is any sort of legal issues with the county we're the ones named so we have to have an attorney and so Prater is right, uh, Commissioner Prater, DA Prater is right that no one can represent a commissioner in his or her official capacity, outside of the DA, unless the board takes a vote that we need to hire outside counsel for a specific purpose and the DA's office has to conflict out. So we have two cases right now where we as the board have taken a vote to hire outside counsel because the DA's office had to conflict out that we never took a vote in this instance for this lawsuit that commissioner Calvi filed. We never took a vote to allow him to represent himself. None of that ever happened. So uh, I agree with everything that DA Prater said in his motion to intervene.
3: So theoretically you could have a meeting where commissioners Calvi and Mon vote two to one to allow commissioner Calvi to represent the three of you in this lawsuit.
1: Oh, I've like, never thought about that. I hope I'm not. Sorry, I, was oh, God, I was just I the hope idea. Not. <laughs> And, and to take us full circle, the
2: moments this close. is why I mentioned why it's so powerful, but also scary that you have very important decisions made by a body of three, yes. and that they make a quorum when two of them get together to yes. do business. So.
1: Yes. And Scott, I don't know if, so the only time since I've been commissioner, the only time we have hired outside counsel is when the DA's office had to conflict out. I don't know if that has to be the case in order for us to take that vote for outside counsel, or if we can just disregard the DA's office when we want. I don't think we can. I don't know that answer.
3: Well, if they try to do that, since apparently taxpayers have standing, I'll sue you guys and say he can't do it. Okay. (laughs) I mean, from what I read, it sounds like this just hasn't been
0: litigated before. And so some of this is a little uncharted, unprecedented, some might say, in a year like this.
2: Well, Um, in in past uh, episodes, we talk about how we have different layers of governance and state and local governments are the laboratories for democracy, so everything we just described and discussed is a great example of how our county government is a laboratory for <laughs>
3: democracy. Oh, and we, we ain't not even done yet. Cause there's one more meeting and that was uh, on October the 19th where the jail yep. trust voted four to two again to remove ice from the jail. But as we. Uh, four as to we two learned,
1: to two. There were as, two abstentions the next yeah. time.
3: As we learned earlier, four to two to one, four to two to two, that don't cut it. You got to have five. So. So here we are, we've covered a year and a half of activity and resolved absolutely nothing, but hopefully um, you have a better understanding now of where we are. I also want to say, um, before we kind of finish up here, um, Andy did an absolutely outstanding job um, researching all of this and with our show notes. um, um, if if, if If you had asked me to just like, kind of say the overview would happen, I would have been like, well, there's a bunch of votes and there was yelling and ice and millions of dollars. And it all sounds like a bunch of malarkey. So, well,
0: I I will say, thank you, Scott. And I will, if you want to call my wife later and let her know this was worthwhile because I did not get our leaky toilet replaced today because I was doing this uh instead. So (laughs) that's on the agenda for this weekend, but I I do think we need to wrap up here. And so if we could get a final Um, statement from Commissioner Blumert about where we're at with the ICE decision and where we're at with the CARES dollars as of today, October 23rd, so that listeners might know going into next week for whatever happens next week.
1: Regarding ICE, we will wait and see what the courts decide. We will wait and see how the jail trust defends themselves. They had a special meeting today to hire outside counsel So we should see in the next two weeks, we should see a lot happening with that. Regarding CARES, I have been told that on the November 2nd, the November 2nd jail trust meeting, which is not this coming Monday, but next Monday, they are planning to have a discussion about how much money they will not spend. And my hope is that we can bring that back to Oklahoma County And hopefully by December 30th, spend it on things that will help the community. Uh, My main priority right now is small business loans for small businesses in Oklahoma County that are not in Oklahoma City. So Bethany, War Acres, Midwest City, Dell City, Edmond, Jones, all of those towns. Um, So that is my priority if we are able to get some of that money back.
0: Because Oklahoma City got some CARES dollars that they've been able to leverage for those small businesses within their, that makes a lot of sense. So so the day before the election, they're going to have that list of what they're going to spend money on or not spend money Thanks. on. They'll say, we're going to spend this much. We're not going to spend the rest. And then hopefully it's a discussion about sending back right. to the county so the county can disperse it quickly.
1: Right. And I, that is what I've been told by a member of the trust that that is planning to happen on November 2nd. A lot could change between now and then, but I anticipate that that is what will happen on November 2nd.
2: And to our listeners, I hope that you were able to see how spicy and exciting (laughs) county government can be. So it's important that you're following all levels of governance because important decisions are being made all the time. And I encourage you to follow uh, elected leaders like Commissioner Carrie Bloomert because she's constantly sharing updates and things on social media and on her uh, public communications channels to stay up to date. With this ongoing saga, because as you mentioned, we may be talking about it here today on October 23rd, but something could change between now and November 2nd. So, yes, follow yep. those channels.
3: Definitely follow Commissioner Bloomberg on Twitter. Definitely also many of these meetings, not all of them, but many of them, I think you can watch online. They'll be streamed. Um, There's opportunities for public comment um, at at some of the meetings where you can call in. Another thing you can do, there's a great, uh, a great account um, at OKC underscore span. Uh, That is Marty Piercy here in town. He live tweets the proceedings at uh, uh, city and county uh, officials, uh, uh, city and county meetings, and it's um, a, a great account to follow. If there's a meeting that you you want to know what's going on, but um, you can't watch because you're at work or because your internet or you just like Twitter. Um, so yeah, uh, you can follow you can follow Marty at OKC okay, at at OKC underscore S P A N. Um, where he live tweets all the meetings. That's a great resource, also.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. Terrific. All right. Well, thank you, Commissioner Bloomer, for being here with thank us. Thank you for having me. Yes, yeah, always great cool. to have you on the show. Last time I think we did it at Oak and it was a live show, and it was much louder than this.
1: Yeah, so. that was election. That was my primary, primary. election night.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah.
3: That was a that was a fun night. It was. I was. It's got, it's got one good. daily. thanks for being.
2: Of course, thank you.
3: Would never miss it. You guys be safe out there. Please wear a mask. Please uh listeners thank you for being here as well don't forget to rate and
0: subscribe to let's pod this on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you consume your podcasts because that helps other people discover us and hopefully become better informed about local issues like this Uh, you can follow us on twitter and instagram at let's fix this okay scott is at sc melson bailey is at bailey m perkins and i andy am at andy okc commissioner bloomer what's your twitter handle Oh, dear. You Hang can on. edit this out. Hold on.
1: <laughs> we never edit anything. Oh, my Twitter handle is just at Carrie Bloomert.
0: Oh, there you go. At Carrie Bloomert, or Commissioner Bloomert. Um, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. Um, check out our blog. The live blog post will be going live here soon so that you can bookmark it if you'd like to follow along um, with our election night live blog and live stream. Let's pod this as a production of Let's fix this Uh, it's produced by scott bailey and me and it's a member of the mostly harmless media network here in oklahoma city and our theme music is called rhino funk by artist so down thank you everyone and have a good week